0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: Greetings, this is Ann Anderson with Political Pursuits, the podcast. I am so glad to have you here with me today and don't want to waste any time. I've got lots to say, lots of information I'd like to share with you. So we're going to jump right into today's topic, which is the critical reality of defeating critical race theory. If you picked up a paper, looked online, watched any TV, listened to talk radio, oh my gosh, what can we say? This is a... This is a topic that is everywhere, and it's everywhere for a good reason, because it is popping up everywhere in our society, within our culture, in pop culture. It's popping up in all these different venues, from government to our schools, to higher ed, to corporations, to the military. I mean, it's just incredible what's going on, and... A lot of people talk about it, but sometimes I think in a lot of the hits that you hear, they're they're just, you know, come in there and it's five minutes and you do a quick interview with somebody. And there's some great people out there with a lot of good information to share. But sometimes it's so quick that I don't think you really get a good sense of just how incendiary and how dangerous and the broad scope with which this is permeating our society and it's permeating at such a rapid, rapid pace. In fact, I would say within the last hundred days during the Joe Biden regime uh, tenure, we have already seen a massive escalation of activities related to proponents, people advocating critical race theory in even more of our of our venues, of our um, environments in which we operate. So... It is a frightening movement, and it does seem like it's spreading like wildfire. Some people will talk about how it's really creeping in, and yes, there is a stealthy component to how a lot of government entities, a lot of corporations try and take a back door bringing this in, but once it's instituted, once it's implemented, once people know what they are being asked to to um, ascribe to, what views they have that they are being asked to change or at least shut up and sit down if you're not going to if you're not going to toe the party line at that point there's no creeping about this that's when it is just blowing the doors down and again like I said it's happening at such an alarming rate before we get into talking about a lot of the different aspects of it that we see jumping up in society I think it's important to talk about just where did this come from because although, yes, there has been an escalation in how much we are hearing about this, this actually is a concept that's been around for a long time, and it's been promoted by radical leftists, Marxists. And at this point, they are packaging it as noble and just. They use the, the you know nice terms, the politically correct terms like anti-racism, equity, diversity, inclusion, and all of those types of terms. Uh, Back in March, a guy, Christopher Rufo, who um, has done a lot of writing on this subject, he's made a lot of media appearances, he did a really good speech at Hillsdale College. And I had a friend that sent me a copy of it, and I think in this speech he really goes through and helps to give not only some good context to what we're seeing now, but he also goes back and talks about just how we got here. And the fact that this is have root this this whole movement has roots in the Marxist system, which uh, it definitely has has its economic and, and political components to it. What really concerns me though, is that it also seems to be couched in this in this um, environment, this attitude of anger. And you see that when what kind of rational, a uh, advocacy position would promote self-hate based on traits, circumstances that people have that are often unmovable and they can't be changed. It's things like race, your ethnicity, skin color. I mean, it's unfortunate to see there be such an emphasis on technical differences of who people are what they are, what they do, what they aspire to, you would think those are the things that we should count on. Those are the things that we should be looking at to bind us as a people, as a country, as citizens who are sharing this wonderful experience, at least in many of our estimations, of being a citizen of the United States of America. We, The forces that bind us should be what count, not the emphasis on unmutable traits and circumstances that um, people are, are emphasizing at this point more just as a means by which to, to divide us. How we got here? Well, Marxism was historically based on class conflict. Conflict. It's like a power imbalance between the capitalists and the workers. The imbalanced solution, well, the workers, they will gain awareness, usually with the help of the Marxists, come to realize their plight, that they're being screwed by the man, and therefore rise up, seize the means of production, overthrow their capitalist oppressors, and create a new socialist, theoretically utopitarian society. That's a a real nice uh, approach to it, and it has worked in places throughout the world, but America is, what can we say? We are... um, have different stripes to us. And thankfully, to our credit, Americans believe in the American dream over class class consciousness or division, or at least historically that has been our position. So as time went on and Marxists were finding that the uh, American nut was just a little tougher to crack than the rest of uh, places in the world, advocates started substituting race instead of class, and they sought to create a new movement version that was based on racial and ethnic categories. You know, this worked for a while, but then there were a few things that got in the way. You know, yeah, the the 60s, it saw uh, the rise of organizations like the Black Panthers, the Weather Underground, La Raza, you know, these were grievance groups of the time. And yeah, they had some limited success, but then a couple of things came along that really kind of took them down a couple of notches. Things like uh, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, that old content, judge for the content of your character, not the color of your skin. That resonated with a lot of people, black and white. LBJ, ugh. Not my favorite guy, certainly not my favorite Texan, but the Great Society, that kind of took the uh, wind out of the sails there, and even the law and order restoration promised by Nixon, um, you know, and again, via the civil rights movement. But according to Russo, critical race theory is also an academic discipline, and it's built on an intellectual framework of identity-based Marxism, and... It went, for a number of years, it kind of went to reside in academia more so than in the mainstream public institutions. But in recent years, we certainly are seeing that change. With it now becoming more mainstream, political correctness over the last decades has been, probably when we look back on it, that's been kind of an inching in. A slow but steady movement of this new progressive thinking that's been moving in to our education system, certainly, which means the indoctrination starting at far younger ages. But it's also going on a wider, the net has been cast wider. So it's in K through 12, it's in higher ed. And now we are starting to see as the people, the students who came through those those years of that indoctrination, they're now adults some young some not so young and they are now we're seeing them proliferate this thought process in government agencies school systems both public and private so don't think that a private school gets you out of this out of you know is an inoculation of this because it certainly is not you're seeing it in teacher training programs corporate human resources all sorts of things you know, these programs, they're um, implemented in the forms of diversity training programs, human resource models, uh, public policy frames work, and school curriculum. You know, and of course, like I said before, they come under that name of, of lofty lofty uh, titles, equity, social justice, diversity, inclusion, culturally responsive teaching. I mean, I can remember about 15 years ago when the University of Texas uh, hired what was the first person I knew in a, in a position like this, but it was a director of diversity and cross-cultural inclusion. Now, oh, my God, you know, your city of 50,000 people is going to have somebody with a similar type title. But when you hear these things, equity, well, that sounds benign enough. I mean, after all, equity, I mean, that's, that's isn't that like equality and don't we all want to be equal? Eh, to you and me, yes, they may seem like one and the same. But to the critical race theorist, hang on. I, those aren't two, the two of the same. Equality is basically unimportant to the CRT proponents because it represents to them just a mere non-discrimination and provides a camouflage for white supremacy, patriarchy, and, of course, we can't forget oppression. There's a guy, and I want you to remember this name. You've probably heard him mentioned before. He is like the critical race guru. He is the godfather of critical race theory. His name is Ibram X. Kendi. He uh, is with the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. And uh, Professor Kendi, I don't know that he's a doctor. He could be a Ph.D. Uh, Apologies to... Professor Kendi, if I've downgraded your title, it's certainly not a part of my uh, white supremacy or oppression that I'm trying to commit a microaggression. But anyway, he has proposed a federal department of anti-racism. It's a department that would be independent and unaccountable to um, of other elected branches of government, and it would have the power to nullify nullify veto, or abolish any law at any level of government. Tyranny much, Professor Kendi? It would also curtail the speech of political leaders and do the same for others deemed insufficiently anti-racist. So I can say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm anti-racist. I believe that everybody should be treated the same, and everybody should have the same opportunity. But if someone like Professor Kendi and his cohorts decide that I'm not sufficient, I'm not appropriately, I am not convincingly espousing that point of view, well, then I guess, you know, I can be canceled. For Kendi, to be truly anti-racist, you also have to be anti-capitalist. Oh, boy. Nice nod to the Marxist, and isn't that one convenient? This kind of equity-based government, and again, this guy is at Boston University, and trust me, he has people throughout the United States that follow his perspectives, that view him as the guy that we need to go to, to better understand and see how to implement this critical race theory mindset. Per him, per per Kendi, equity-based government would mean the end of, you're going to like this, private property, individual rights, equality under the law, well, we're already seeing that. If the Trump administration didn't show you that one, I don't know what would, federalism, i.e. everything goes to control of the federal government, never mind you states thinking that states' rights actually are a thing that exists, and free speech. Instead, this new government would, be, would include things like race-based redistribution, group-based rights. It would be um, active wealth discrimination, and an an omnipotent um, bureaucratic authority. Now, this is all again according to Christopher Rufo, who I would guess that many of you have seen him on the media. And I mean, this is a very this isn't a, a bomb thrower. You know, he's he's not out there just a fire breather. I mean, he's a very uh, moderate sounding, intellectual, um, intellectually solid. Guy who is just going through and doing some really good analysis and breaking this stuff down so that, you know, you're getting past all the inflammatory rhetoric that can come with it and just really helping to nail down what the functional aspects of widespread, across-the-board critical race theory would mean in our country. And... According to him, I mean, he says that basically critical race theory is anti-American, which, yeah, that would seem to be the case, and that it would overturn the Declaration of Independence, and it would largely destroy the remaining um, structure of our Constitution. He talks about some things, um, of, of the types of things that his studies have seen Um, He did a series of reports focused on critical race theory last year, and this was just in the federal government. The FBI was holding workshops on intersectionality theory. DHS was telling white employees that they were committing micro-inequities and had been socialized into oppressor roles. Treasury uh, held a training session telling staff members that virtually all white people contribute to racism and that they must convert everyone in the federal government to the ideology of anti-racism. And the Sandia National Laboratories, oh, and they design America's nuclear arsenal. So glad to know that the nukes guys aren't being left out of this. They sent white male executives through a, to a three-day re-education camp where they were told that white male culture was analogous to the Klan, white supremacists, and mass killings. The executives were then forced to renounce their white male privilege and write letters of apology to fictitious women and people of color. That's what's been happening in our federal government, and this was before this was really even on the radar, Another series um, of reports that he put together in Cupertino, California. Hmm, Cupertino, why is that kind of familiar? Oh, yeah, Apple. An elementary school forced first graders to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities and rank themselves according to their power and privilege. Just let that sink in. First graders deconstruct their racial and sexual identities and rank themselves according to power and privilege. Springfield, Missouri, a middle school, forced teachers to locate themselves on an oppression matrix. Ooh, boy, that would be scary, that oppression matrix. And it's based on the idea that straight, white, English-speaking Christian males are members of the oppressor class and must atone for their privilege and covert white supremacy. Wonder why white women are getting such a pass. you know these were always the people that wanted equal rights and you know no gender, whatever, but man, they're going after the men on this thing more so than the women but i'm sure I'm sure we won't be left out for long um, Something else here in Philadelphia, an elementary school forced fifth graders to celebrate black communism and simulate a black power rally to free 1960s radical Angela Davis from prison where she had once been held on charges of murder. Oh, and I love this one. In Seattle, you know, we got to get a little new age out there. The school district told white teachers that they are guilty of spirit murder against black children and must bankrupt their privilege and acknowledgement of their thieved inheritance you know the chinese have something called a struggle session where i mean it's just a, a a it's a very unpleasant mind game where they go through and they're basically just beating a person down ideologically beating a person down to into submission And, uh, yeah, I mean, these sound like exactly this is just a a newer version of, uh, you know, or a westernized version of struggle sessions. I mean, it's just absolutely and crazy, these things that are going on. Government institutions, they used to be neutral, technocratic, oriented toward the public good. Today, under CRT, they are being turned against the American people. You know, not not to... Keep on it, but we did see a lot of that uh, during the Trump administration with the deep state, and now it's it's moving outside the, the technocratic use of that and is moving more into the, a cultural use in the workplace with the idea that we get that going in the workplace and then simultaneously have it going in education venues, we have it going in pop culture, we have it going in, in corporations. Well, then that's just the way that we come in and take a broad swath of the American population and beat them into submission that, damn it, you better declare yourself that you're not racist, and if you're not willing to do that, then you are a racist, and you will be punished. And it's not just D.C. You know, these things are occurring in um, states, even red states. There's a lot of efforts that have been taking place uh, trying to combat this, but it's been a little on the feudal side for several reasons. Number one, fear. People are afraid to speak up, and that's allowing critical race theory to dominate too many spaces. If you speak up, beware. Disagreement with CRT is characterized as proof, aha, you are a racist. You know, I one of the funniest things I thought in that we hear hear that, and one of the things that I always think about the left is that when you try and, and say anything about, you know, no, I'm not a racist, no, I'm not an extremist, no, I don't want to push granny off a cliff, no, I'm not trying to starve children, no, I don't want to ship illegal immigrants off into concentration camps, all those kind of things. It's like, ah, oh, you're saying that, but that just goes to show you are. And I had to kind of laugh a few weeks ago as demoralizing, embarrassing, and just frightening as it was when old Tony Blinken, uh, our Secretary of Defense, went up to Alaska to pay homage and kiss the ring of the CCP. And when he was up there, he dared broach that the uh, CCP had a few human rights violations that... uh, they needed to, to take a look at, and the CCP rep, I can't think of his name right now, he just jumped back and he just used the left's textbook beautifully on Blinken. And he was like, wait a minute, what do you mean you're saying we have rights? You know, look what you have. Black Lives Matter. Look at the problems you have. You are the racist country, not us. You are the racist country. And Blinken sat there on his hands, looking like a deer in the headlights, and just further perpetuated the humiliation of the United States again it was a very disturbing uh meeting but at the same time i did find that one little uh thread of irony that the ccp gets how to use the book and turn things against the left and you know they're not they're not used to it ever being turned on them but anyway this whole idea that any type of disagreement with CRT is proof of that one is a racist, that has been a deterrent to people trying to more effectively combat what's going on. Americans also failed to separate the premise, which there were in the past legitimately wrong things that happened. But you have to also come to the conclusion that based on the past our founding principles our constitution our way of life helped us to get past those and become a better place we learned from our mistakes and some of those some of those learning processes i.e. the civil war were very painful and they didn't happen quickly but we had the very basis of our country, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Well, granted, in the beginning, we didn't have quite that equality thing worked out to the degree that we do now, but better late than never. Oh, and by the way, who on this country is doing a whole lot better with race? You know, that's one of the other questions we need to ask. When, you know, these leftists, these Marxists, the Chinese people, Communist Party, whoever, when they start coming down on the United States about what a racist, bigoted, discriminatory country we are, well, tell me, who in the world is doing it better? I think that's a tough one for them to answer. And also, one of the other problems with us not being as effective as we'd like to be with critical race theory is that it is being addressed as a theory. It's being dressed as a, as a concept, kind of like when Joe Biden says Antifa is a concept. It's an idea. Well, when that concept comes and cracks a pipe over your head, I don't know, it kind of starts being something a little more real than an idea somebody had. And CRT is the same way because we are now starting to see the consequences of these, this whole critical race theory being put into action. Remember what I was saying about what old ibram X. Fendi, what he has proposed and how to insert critical race theory into our government so we start losing things like our property rights and our federalist system of government, um, property rights, rule of law because the the race people can come in and they can overrule any elected body They can upend any law. That's some pretty serious consequences. And granted, we're not there yet, but the growing influence of this movement cannot be denied and we can't turn our backs on it. CRT has become a tool of political power and we must address it politically at every level.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too, flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: And we also, when we're doing this, we need to be able to confront these people and force them to speak the facts. I mean, because the question comes down, do they support public schools separating first graders into groups of oppressors and the oppressed? Do they support mandatory curricula teaching that all white people play a part in perpetuating systemic racism? How about this? Do they support public schools instructing white parents to become white traitors and advocate for white abolition? Do they want those who work in government to be required to undergo this kind of re-education? And what about the managers, the workers in corporate America? You know, how about the the men and women in our military? How about every one of us? How far is this going to go? and by the aggression with which we see this movement proliferating i'd say pretty damn far but okay let's let's return back here to a little more a little more um rationality there are steps we can take a lot of steps are being taken we're seeing some degrees of success and certainly the awareness that is being created is important. Rufo says there's, th- there's uh, basically three uh, components to a successful strategy in, in defeating critical race theory. First is government action. Government action, uh, we've seen some of that. Right um, Last year, while he was still in office, President Trump, he did issue an executive order banning CRT-based training programs in the federal government, not surprisingly. Uh, currently acting President Joe Biden rescinded this order on his first day in office, but the order is in existence, even though it's not currently activated, and it provides a model for governors and municipal leaders to follow. And we've also had this year several state legislatures, in fact, I would say a lot of state legislatures, including Texas, that they have introduced bills bill to achieve the same goal, and that is to prevent public institutions from conducting programs that stereotype state scapegoat or demean people on the basis of race. There have also, there have been coalitions of attorneys that have been organized to fight against schools and government agencies that impose critical race theory-based programs on the grounds of the First Amendment protects uh, citizens from compelled speech, the Fourteenth Amendment, equal protection under the law, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits public institutions from discriminating on the basis of race. That almost is just kind of idiotic to think we're having to have this conversation, but alas, we are. So... Another way in which um, a strategy that we're seeing happen in trying to successfully uh, fight back against uh, CRT is grassroots mobilization, and this one is very exciting. There are parental groups speaking out all over the country with regard to what they're seeing happening in their school districts here in Texas. in South Lake ISD, it's been a big, uh, con- you know, it's been a big point of consternation within the community of whether or not they're going to be indoctrinating the kids in this CRT. Also, uh, recently, the Highland Park School District, there was only one contested race, and CRT was a very major component in that race. Now, unfortunately, the woke, the Black Lives Matter uh, wielding candidate um, was the one who won, but it was by a very narrow margin, and so hopefully within that community that they will continue to, um, to fight that battle, because that's very important, and especially at schools, it's happening, I don't think a lot of school districts are, are uh, advertising that they're teaching this in, in their uh, curriculums, but it is there, and I mean, Americans they should be outraged because CRT it promotes race essentialism, collective guilt, and neo-segregation. I was appalled several years ago when these universities started having blacks only dorm or or you know, Muslim only dorms, things like that, and then also having all of these, um all of these, these uh graduation ceremonies that were just for Certain communities, the LGBTQ uh, the just different ones I mean it's whatever happened to the melting pot we're seeing a lot of Chinese Americans who are especially concerned with this because they've lived this experience in several different um, at several different times in recent years and so they are having a lot of concern over that. And one other thing that we need to talk about with how we can fight this is that we need to talk about principles. And, you know, that seems like it's kind of a, you know, what, what do you mean by, by principles? But basically, we need to have our own moral langu- language that we can use that will define us rather than allowing ourselves to be confined by the categories of critical race theory. You know, for instance, we often find ourselves debating diversity. Diversity, as most of us understand, it's generally good, all things being equal, but it's of secondary value. What we really need to be talking about is aiming at excellence, a common standard that challenges people of all goals to achieve their potential. On a scale, scale of desirable ends, the person that has excellent, the person who is working to reach their greatest potential, that's far more important and more valuable to a society and more valuable to an individual than diversity Anytime, Similarly, we need to be pointing out the dishonesty of the historical narrative in which critical race theory is predicated. We need to promote the true story of America, a story that, yes, it's honest. There were injustices in American history, but we've got to be advocates who put those injustices into a candid context of how our nation's highest ideals did work their way back into the conversations, into our our governing process, such that we came out from these challenges with, Again, not a perfect society, not a perfect legal system, not a perfect social, you know, a social society. But at the same time, we did come out on the other side with improvements and we have continued to work on those improvements decade after decade after decade. And nobody's saying we should stop now. It's just a matter of this whole upheaval of life as we've known it, life that's taken us to a pretty good spot. Life that's taken us to a place that we don't have the other kind of problems that other countries have. So, you got people who can sit here and dream up crap like critical race theory. That's that is the true liberty and freedom that our country and what we have done in our history that's the true opportunity that it's given to many of our citizens, the fact that they can be disgruntled and angry malcontents who now want to upend the entire system because it just doesn't seem like they really are quite smart enough to get what a wonderful system we have. Or they choose not to get it because they have other other goals and aspirations of their own, and it's not things that I think will well serve the preponderance of the American public. So that's it. I mean, Rufo, his bottom line on this is that we have to have courage and that that's a tough one. I've listened to Steve Bannon a lot of times, and he always talks about, you know, you got to have courage. Courage is contagious, and courage is the virtue upon which all the others stand. I think we're seeing some of that in the grassroots. I think we're seeing that. In some of our government officials, I mean, there's a lot of pushback when we're trying to outlaw and ban all these critical race theory um, practices in, in schools and in government, even in corporations. But, um, you know, Rufo says that truth and justice are on our side. If we can muster the courage, we will win. And so I will be going on to the uh, Facebook Political Pursuits podcast page, and I'm going to post links to a, a lot of these articles. But there were a couple of other things that I wanted to go into because there are some, some interesting things going out there. I don't want this, this podcast to get too terribly long. But uh, there was another story that Max Eaton from the um, AEI, the American Enterprise Institute, wrote that actually was published in News, Newsweek. Uh, just about a week or so ago, it's an opinion piece, and it says, ban critical race theory now. He goes through talks about a lot, um, a lot, kind of similar to what Rufo has, has said, and um, he says, you know, many parents might not yet understand what CRT is. The ideology has gone by a number of names in recent years, identity politics, intersectionality, wokeness. Academics have generated convoluted justifications and rationalizations for it. Journalists have crafted stilted narratives to promote it, but at its core and in practice, CRT amounts to institutionalized racial hatred. Institutionalized racial hatred. That's right. It basically codifies discrimination. If these people were left, if Professor Ibram... Ibram, um, what's his name? Ibram, <laughs> I told you to remember his name. Uh, Kendi, yes, Professor Kendi. If he has his way, yes, it would codify. It would codify discrimination and bigotry. You go through here, and um, there was a teacher, This uh, Paul Ross, he was a high school teacher who, who wrote a piece and got um, up in Manhattan at Grace Church School, a private school. And when he objected to this, the teaching of this, his lead teacher admitted, we're demonizing white people for being born rich. Uh, this gal, Robin D'Angelo, she wrote White Fragility. That was a best-selling book, God only knows why. And she argues that all whites are inherently racist. Bettina Love, an education professor, has written in Education Week that white teachers need a particular type of therapy to address their white emotionalities and to undo whiteness in education. Also, there's a number of people that are associated with this movement that love the 1619 Project, which... If you don't know what that is, it's a, it was something that came from a, a gal that was affiliated with the New York Times. You need to read it. It's basically saying that, nah, forget 1776. That was just the, the propaganda date set up by the old white patriarchal oppressive men who started this country. The real date is 1619, back when the first slaves got here. And so anyway... Um, this is another good thing with Eden. He asked, you know, anyone who doesn't immediately understand how morally abhorrent this all is need only swap the races and or epithets used in these statements. Can you imagine if school leaders admitted that they were demonizing children for being born black? If best-selling authors insisted that blacks are inherently vicious and must work on their black instability? That, um, if a teacher's magazine said that black teachers need therapy to address black emotionalities? If curriculum designers explained that their goal was to get black kids to stop being black, you know, and again, that's that's what uh, Rufo talks about, too. You've got to throw this back at them. You know, do you really think that we need to, you know, label people as oppressors or the oppressed and you're on one team or the other?
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: you know see how see how these people respond because I don't think they have a good explanation they don't have a good argument the most common response is going to be well the fact that you would ask that question means that obviously you are a racist something else too is that we've got to be mindful that this is happening in our our corporations and our businesses Uh, There was recently a big expose about Disney and how woke Disney is. And I mean, we certainly know they're woke in the terms of their dealings with the Chinese government, and they'll bend over to do whatever they need to be able to keep those Disney movies going into China. The same with uh, CBS Viacom, and because they want to make sure that Dora the Explorer what's on Nickelodeon and which is one of the properties that they own, they want to make sure that Dora can be exploring Beijing. Um, Coca-Cola, they did have some some pushback and that kind of blew up in their face. I read an article back some months ago before when this was percolating, but it wasn't at the fever pitch it is now. It was back in the fall. And there were employees of Panda Express you know Panda Express, the fast food outlet. I don't know how many of those those units are company owned, how many are franchise, and this article didn't give real good detail, but it talked about some employees having been taken to a warehouse. This was out in California, out in LA area, and it was Um, some employees taken to a warehouse one Saturday afternoon and it was out like in Burbank or Glendale it was like a a relatively nice area and they were taken out into this warehouse and basically what I talked about earlier the struggle sessions they were put in these situations where they had to start apologizing for their whiteness and um, the Corporation came back, oh, no, no, we don't sanction things like that, which is, I remember when reading the article, they never said it didn't really happen, just that they don't sanction it. And so that's what I don't know if this was perhaps a franchise owner. Maybe it was an erroneous report. I don't know. But um, there is just any, any size of company, we have to be mindful that these things could happen. I did come across this on Daily Wire uh, a week or so ago, about there was a software company called Basecamp, and its bosses, kudos to them, told them to keep ideology out of the workplace and focus on the company's actual business. Quote, we make project management, team communication, and email software, CEO Jason Fried wrote April 26th. We don't have to solve deep social problems, chime in publicly whenever the world requests our opinion on the major issues of the day. Or get behind one movement or another with time or treasure. These are all important topics, but they're not our topics at work. <laughs> um, according to a tech journalist that wrote about this, about one-third of the company's roughly 60 employees took buyout shortly after with one fuming, basically the company has said, well, your opinions don't really matter unless it's directly related to business. A lot of people are going to have tough time living with that. People, I would submit, they're going to have a tough time living with that, are going to have a tough time living with much the rest of the adult world. And if wokeness is what they think we need to uh, bring into the world and let that permeate our society, well, then they're going to have a tough time dealing with a few of us that are left and still have some fight and think that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh. Two other things I wanted to, to tell you real quickly here. Uh, we've been following again, like I mentioned here in Texas, that they're HPISD Southlake. You know, there's some of these these school districts where critical race theory is becoming an issue. And uh, Texas Scorecard, which is a project of Empower Texans, you may want to you may want to subscribe to them or keep up with them because they are doing a series on um, critical race theory and also where it comes from, how it can affect education and kind of what's happening with it in relation to uh, Texas school districts. And they go through, they're gonna talk about the different ways in which critical race theory is being utilized in schools across the state. They said that the five tenets of critical race theory can be found in almost every school in Texas and teachers are now being required to attend training in these tenets of CRT. Let me tell you, let me share these tenets with you. Uh, This is something that was, uh, it's been rooted in the field of education that at least five elements that form its basic critical race theory, its basic perspectives, research methodology, and pedagogy. They are, one, the centrality and intersectionality of race and racism. Two, challenge to the dominant ideology. Three, the commitment to social justice. Four, the importance of experiential knowledge. And five, the use of interdisciplinary perspectives. And so, anyway, they basically are looking um, at the... Tenants are looking to understand how a regime of white supremacy and its subordination of people of color has been created and maintained in America and in particular to examine the relationship between that social structure and professed ideals such as the rule of law and equal protection. The second tenet is about... Uh, looking at the relationships between social structure and rule of law equal protection, that is not merely a desire to understand the vexed bond between law and racial power, but to change it, which in this case, a change would seem to be elimination. One other thing, and I'm going to put this up on the Political Pursuits podcast Facebook page, because this is just fascinating. There's a great website out called revolver.news. A guy named Darren Beatty runs it, and they do a lot of really good investigative reporting. They were the ones that broke the story about all the stuff with Officer Sicknick at the Capitol weeks before the mainstream corporate media is finally saying, oh, well, you know what? He wasn't actually hit on the head with a fire extinguisher. Revolver News was on this way before that. They've got a story, headline, Meet Bishop Garrison, the Pentagon's hatchet man in charge of purging MAGA patriots and installing race theory in the military. You've been in the military, you have somebody you love in the military, someone thinking about going into the military, you need to read this article. It goes through and talks about how this guy is, you know, after the the January 6th, the military said, oh, that we were going to have to purge the U.S. military of its extremism problem, and it's always been just real vague language. But um, you know, they were going to be doing this MAGA purge of the American defense defense uh, forces, and in fact, uh, in this article that says the Biden administration has just put the equivalent of Ibram X Kendi in charge of vetting the entire U.S. military. This hatchet man's name is Bishop Garrison, Senior Advisor to the Secretary of Defense for Diversity and Inclusion. Bishop Garrison says that being a Trump supporter makes you a racist, misogynistic extremist. And it goes on, they're going to have this, he's going to be overseeing this new um, counter-extremism working group and they're going to develop and implement all sorts of counter-extremism policies. They're going to go through and define what constitutes extremist behavior. They're going to add uh, provisions for checklists that include training on potential targeting of service members by extremist groups, and they're going to uh, create a mechanism by which veterans have the opportunity to report any potential contact. With an extremist group, i.e., rat out their fellow soldiers, um, they're going to be going through and and uh, starting to, you know, see how they can more methodically go and and look at uh, your your reading material, your social media history, your internet history, um, you know, make, seeing what you're following or liking to see if that includes extremist material and content as defined by. Uh, Bishop Garrison, and then they go through and they're talking about how there's going to be this new, uh, there's this agency, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. uh, It's DARPA, and it's known as the Pentagon's Brain, and it's going to recommend a brand new category called Patriot Extremism, which occurs when a citizen believes the U.S. government has become corrupt or has overstepped its constitutional boundaries. Again, this is a guy who loves critical race theory, he loves the 1619 Project, and he thinks that anybody who's ever supported Trump is a racist, misogynist, and extremist, and he is now going to help upgrade our U.S. military. So a link to this will also be, this is a very long article, I encourage you to read it, it's just, it's kind of jaw-dropping, and it's very disturbing. So that is kind of an overview, went a little longer here than I would have liked to, but that is an overview of kind of where I see that we are with this entire critical race theory. It is something that, it's a, it's a battle that we've got to take on, but it's winnable. Absolutely, it is winnable. And we need to be looking at it from the, the idea of promoting anything we can at the federal level to fighting it, as was done with President Trump. When he was in office, we need to be looking at what our state legislatures can do. We need to be watching our local governments and try and making sure that they're not sneaking some of this stuff in. We also need to be at the grassroots level. When we show up at our school board meeting, when we show up at our city council meetings, and the Office of Diversity and Inclusion is going to be giving a, a report, It's important that we be there to hear what they have to say, because trust me, these people don't have a whole lot of presence on the websites of these government agencies. And then we also, as Rufo suggested, we need to have our own principles firmly in mind that America has a racist history, as does most any other civilization. We have done much, much to overcome it. Is there still work to be done? Yes. Is there always going to be work to be done? If we're honest, yes. But we have done much to try and make things better. We will continue to more make things better. And that this preoccupation, this obsession with race and demonizing people of a certain color or a certain ethnicity, it was wrong 500 years ago. It was wrong 100 years ago, 50 years ago, and it's wrong now. And that's the high ground that we need to be, we need to take, and we need to make sure we don't cede. So with that, I hope that you can uh, take this information, learn some things, give you some perspective, share it with your friends. I have my studio assistants in here, uh, executive producer Reagan and assistant producer L who just decided they wanted to go outside. They've been very good through this. I'm not going to take offense that I may have put them to sleep, but they're greyhounds. That's what they do most of the time anyway. So I thank you again for spending this time with me. America, our best days are ahead. We've just got to fight to make sure that we keep us on that course. Meanwhile, thanks again. This is Political Pursuits, the podcast. I am Lou Ann Anderson. See you next time.
0: Stream. How do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly annual and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com.